Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. everybody this is in liberty and health episode number 42 today i got the legendary scott mislinski with me the host of the carnivore cast and uh what else you just started a new show too recently didn't you i had one last year called making a man but i kind of abandoned it fizzled out a little bit oh all right um sorry so before we start rock and roll on the carnivore stuff um how you doing great great yeah um i moved to new york city at the end of last year with my wife um, enjoying that. It's a big change. Um, I did not grow up in a city, uh, but we've been in Boston for a long time and now we're here um, enjoying it. And uh, yeah, just, just trying to survive these crazy times. Oh yeah, dude, they're definitely crazy, crazy times. I, I don't think anybody's ever seen anything quite like what we've been experiencing these last two years. Um, so the main reason I wanted to have you on is because much like myself at one point, no longer anymore, um, I was on a carnivore diet I did for for about two years and um I'll just give a brief rundown of how it kind of went for me so I was eating just tons of protein junk and plant foods like these huge salads with vegetable oil dressing and um you know you name the processed garbage and I was doing it and I can remember one day I had one of these big salads it's a big old Tupperware container full of salad and Italian full fat dressing I ate it I got bloated and I'm like okay I don't want to do this anymore. So at that <laughs> point, I was about 225 pounds and I was pretty big. I, um, I did one of those scale things at my gym and it said I was like 18% body fat. So I was like, all right, well, I see all these people doing a carnivore diet. I've heard about it. it sounds really cool. Let's do it. So I did it and I lost about 30 pounds and my digestive issues went away that I had. I was always gassy and bloated. Um, a lot of the aches and pains I had went away. And I had, I don't want to say depression because I've never clinically diagnosed per se, but I definitely had something that you might describe as that, right? Suicidal thoughts, um, bouts of bad moods, not really being able to maintain good energy. And that all went away once I lost the weight and once I was on a carnivore diet. So I did that for about two years. But what I found is that I'd be good for a couple of weeks and then I'd binge. I'd be good for a couple of weeks then I'd binge. So, um, you know, fast forward up until about six, seven months ago, 
um, I started reintroducing carbs and even some of those protein foods and some processed foods, but you know, I'm not eating fried foods or anything like that. Nothing. No, I generally try to avoid vegetable oils and, um, now I'm back up to like, let's say 3,400 calories a day as to where I was on carnivore. I was eating anywhere from like 1800 to 2,500 a day. And kind of by the end of my carnivore diet, I was feeling pretty low energy. Yeah. Now I feel fantastic and um, I've maintained my weight loss. A lot of the digestive issues kind of went away. So that's kind of been my health journey. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So um, what kind of got you there? Did you have, I, I, I've heard different interviews of you where you said you kind of had similar issues. Yeah. So um, I came from a background of competitive lightweight rowing um, all in high school and college. Um, and that is, if you've heard of like wrestler wrestlers who have to do weight cuts, before competition, um, lightweight rowing is even more extreme than that because it's even less regulated. Um, so, you know, I would lose, gain and lose 20 pounds in a week um, for continuous weeks on end. Um, and that created not great relationships with food. I was eating, you know, quote unquote, healthy, high protein, um, a lot of fruits and vegetables, but um, a lot of junk too. And you know, as I moved out of college and stopped rowing, stopped exercising like four hours a day intensely, um, I wanted something that could, you know, help me maintain my weight. And at the time I happened upon like Tim Ferriss and the slow carb diet, Mark Sisson and primal, uh, primal nutrition and um, things like that. And keto wasn't around back then. This was like 2013, 2014. Um, and so I slowly evolved and, you know, incorporated intermittent fasting, got closer to something that would be kind of like keto, except I didn't like track my protein. I just ate very little carbs. And then sometime around 2016, um, you know, I was working in very high stress jobs, very poor. Um, I had poor digestion, but just really stressed all the time. Not great energy, um, really relying on caffeine. Um, I was probably experiencing something like what you would call adrenal fatigue, um, and then my body composition wasn't great at all. Um, I was, I was thin, but I had almost no muscle on my body. I was working out a lot. My testosterone was in the gutter. Um, and so I heard, um, Amber O'Hearn on two keto dudes podcasts. This was back in like the fall of 2016 before carnivore was really a thing. Um, and she was talking about how not only are vegetables, uh, maybe, not necessary, but they could actually be harmful in some ways. And like the phytochemicals they carry and the anti-nutrients and how a lot of people do better without it. And, you know, she was a carnivore and there are all these people who are thriving on a carnivore diet. And I said, Hey, I almost eat that today. Like I basically eat a lot of meat and then, you know, some almonds, maybe some almond flour, some nuts, some olive oil, some avocados, some spinach. Why don't I just cut some of that stuff out and see how good I feel only eating meat. I wanted to get, you know, the body of my dreams without having to restrict or whatever else everyone else is looking for in a diet. Um, and I hopped on the carnivore bandwagon. It was actually around the same time Sean Baker started carnivore um, before he was public at all. He was just a guy on Twitter. Um, and so I was following along with his journey as well. And um, yeah, I did everything wrong because <laughs> there are no resources out there about like how to do a carnivore diet. There are no books, there are no podcasts, nothing. Um, and so I made a lot of mistakes, but I still got pretty good results with it. My digestion improved, my energy improved a lot, my body composition improved a lot. Um, and I was able to eat, to be satisfied and not be hungry all day. Um, 
And, you know, over time I refined my approach. I learned more about it. I dialed it in. Um, I was very strict carnivore, meaning no cheats, no cheeses, nothing for three full years from 2016 to 2019. Um, along the way, I started a podcast called the Carnivore Cast, where I interview um, doctors, researchers, experts about carnivore and ketogenic diets, as well as N equals one case studies of people who have um, overcome various chronic conditions and diseases and um, abnormalities with keto or carnivore diets. And so I've put out a podcast every week um, for the last three years. Um, at the end of 2019, I slowly transitioned out of carnivore diet. Um, I was finding that uh, my calories just to maintain my body weight were about 4,000 per day. And I consistently couldn't eat more than 150 grams of fat per day, at least for weeks on end. I could do it for like a day here or there, but I couldn't do it for weeks on end without eventually getting burping, bloating symptoms and digestive distress. Um, really far away from meals, like in the middle of the night, I would just wake up with like my stomach feeling like it's going to explode. It was really weird. Um, but um, I tried everything. I tried digestive enzymes. I tried working with a nutritionist. I tried um, meal timing. I tried different fat sources. But ultimately what it came down to is my body couldn't handle more than 150 grams of fat per day. That's about a thousand calories. So it'd mean I need to get the other 3000 from protein because I'm not eating any carbs. That's way too much protein. Like right. you sweat, you have to pee all the time. Like you just feel horrible. Um, and so I said, okay, this isn't sustainable. Um, what can I do? And so I decided to very slowly and systematically reintroduce carbs, one food at a time, like really meticulously. Not everyone has to do this, but I wanted to. So like I would, the first thing I had was like honey. I had honey, one serving a day for three days, took down how I felt, how satisfied I was, how it affected my digestion, then pulled it out, reset for a day. And I did that with like a banana, then with like an apple and like very slowly reintroduced foods um, and found the ones I could tolerate, the ones I couldn't. And now I eat, you know, basically everything, um, still a very healthy diet focused on whole foods, a lot of meat, but yeah, that's kind of how it's evolved for me. And, you know, I keep the podcast going. The podcast is never meant to be about what is Scott eating today um, or what is <laughs> yeah. Scott's diet. I'm certainly not the star of the podcast. It's all about the guests. Um, and so I really still enjoy engaging with that community. My wife is a carnivore. Our dog is a carnivore, raw carnivore. And so um, I still love putting out the podcast and that's where I'm at today. Yeah. Well, you know, that really doesn't sound too, too far off from my journey. Um, 4,000 calories, is a lot of freaking calories. And you're yeah. about, you said you're five ten, I believe on yeah, the podcast yeah. before. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm, I'm probably five ten, six foot somewhere around there. And I work as an auto mechanic. So I walk a lot every single day. I walk my dogs every single morning, or if I don't walk them, I walk on the treadmill. Um, and like I was saying, you know, about 3,400 calories a day is for me to maintain. So I couldn't imagine eating all that, you know, 4,000 calories of red meat to maintain your weight. Yeah. The other thing is, is that protein, and we can talk about this a little bit, but uh, protein's so incredibly satiating. That was one of the biggest benefits of a carnivore diet is that uh, I heard Ben Greenfield call it once the lazy man's way to health. But really, I don't see that as a problem because yeah. look, you get so many nutrients in meat, it's so satiating and it's high protein. So you're going to build a little bit of lean mass if you're exercising. And on top of that, you're not going to be hungry. Um, but, you know, like I said earlier, for me, 
I just started losing energy by the end of my bout with the carnivore diet because I, I wasn't getting in enough calories. So the only way for me to get in more calories is to eat more carbohydrates versus just fat. So now I'm at like 270 grams of carbs a day, 205 grams of protein, 190 grams of fat, and never felt better. But I know yeah. obviously it's not realistic for everybody. But, um, you know, I guess what kind of does your day of eating look like now? Yeah, just to comment on one thing you said, Kyle, sure. yeah. um, with uh, regards to like being a lazy man's way to health, I think that's spot on. I think that's a great characterization. I think keto is, I mean, carnivore, excuse me, is not a magic bullet. It's not a panacea. It is hitting the win button right away on getting yeah. enough protein and, um, you know, not snacking a lot, not mm -hmm. eating a lot of fat and um, carb combinations like mm -hmm. cupcakes, pizza, things we all love that Milk we can't shakes, stop eating. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so it's, it like cleans up your diet instantly. So for like 99% of people just going carnivore is going to help so much, exactly. but it's not because meat is magical or meat mm -hmm. is curing you. It's because it's really simple. It's really easy to follow. It's satisfying and it checks a lot of the boxes. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I completely agree with that. Um, but to answer your question, what do I eat in a day? <laughs> um, so for me, what I found to be, so every meal has protein in it, whether it's right. eggs and egg whites or, um, Greek yogurt or, uh, beef or chicken. Um, every meal has that. Um, and then on top of that, um, you know, I get, I have a good amount of fruit, mostly berries, strawberries are great. Um, some vegetables, usually like carrots, not a lot of cruciferous vegetables, with a lot of fiber and things like that. And mushrooms, uh, mushrooms I have fairly often. And then um, I fill in the rest, usually from cream of rice. <laughs> it's okay. um, like extremely benign. It's the same thing as basically white rice. It's just ground up into a flour. So you can make it into like a bowl. It's basically like oatmeal without the fiber and without a lot of the anti-nutrients. A lot of carnivores and people with Crohn's disease or people on ketogenic diets who need more calories or need carb sources, they use white rice because it's so benign. It's like doesn't come with fiber, doesn't come with all these other things that could be harmful. And so cream of rice is, is like basically the same. It's really easy to get down. It digests super well. Um, and it doesn't have a lot of other things in it. So it, it's really easy for me. Um, so, you know, probably, you know, north of 2000 calories of my daily diet come from cream of rice. Um, and yeah, right now I'm eating about 4,300 calories a day um, to maintain my weight. And then, you know, when I'm trying to gain weight, it goes up to like 4,600 or more. Um, and when I need to cut weight, you know, it goes below 4,000. Jesus, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I, and I always thought I had a pretty quick metabolism, but yeah. you know, I, I don't think people understand how much food that is, man, because I feel like I, I'm eating like it's my job. And sometimes yeah. I do have to eat a little stuff that's perhaps a little bit more hyper palatable just so that way I can make sure I maintain my weight because one of the main reasons I went off of carnivores because my goals change, right? For those two years, I was focused on losing weight and improving my health. And it absolutely did that. And I think that's a beautiful thing about carnivore. Kind of like you said earlier, it's hitting the win button. It's super easy. And, you know, the best part is, is that you're going to maintain lean mass while you're doing that, because there's no way you're going to be able to eat, you know, pretty much at maintenance for the average person eating, you know, basically just red meat. So you're going to lose weight by default. 
Yeah. And for me, it improves my relationship think it with food. Depends. Sure. I, I think. Sorry to interrupt. I would just say no, no, I think it depends what if you're eating like all like perfectly cooked ribeyes or like fried ribeyes covered in salt. It, <laughs> it is pretty easy to overeat just because it's so hyper palatable. But right. yeah, if you're eating like an average mix of meat, um, then yeah, I, I completely agree. It's hard mm. to overeat on. Yeah, well, one thing I kind of found as I kind of exited the carnivore community, I, I would post it like the World Carnivore Tribe or Carnivore Diet for Beginners on Facebook. And I wanted people to kind of understand like, look, this is not the only way because there were so many people in there that were so dogmatic about it. And I'm involved in the political world, the fitness world, the diet world, all these different things. And it drives me nuts when people are just, you know, so entrenched in one belief and refuse to have empathy or see things the other way. So like, you know, there's dogma, veganism, vegetarianism, you know, carnivores, keto, whatever. And it's, it's so funny because you would see carnivores say, oh, look, I'm, I'm doing great on carnivore. And then I had an off day and I ate, you know, 3000 calories from red meat, ribeye, butter. And then I had one blueberry and oh my God, now I just gained five pounds. This is crazy. Carbs are so bad for you. It's like, well, <laughs> what about those, you know, yeah. 2,500 calories from fat that yeah. you yeah. ate? You know, fat's not magic. Fat is still yeah. calories. Yeah. It's, yeah. I completely agree. It's not black or white. Um, and I think there's way too much shame and guilt associated sometimes with um, that and people blaming people for not being carnivore, quote unquote. Right. Um, I think it's ridiculous. I think, you know, we're all here to try to improve ourselves and help each other. Um, and trying to classify someone as carnivore or not carnivore is just so absurd to me. Um, right. I think, you know, anyone who's eating more meat. Um, that's great. If that's working well for you, I would never try to tell anyone who has a certain diet to change it. Um, if, if they're happy with how they feel, how they perform, how they look, um, that's awesome. And so like, I'm, I've never been about like prophetizing the carnivore diet or saying like, you have to do this or you're not carnivore. Um, I, I just don't find that to be really helpful. Um, especially when you start doing like this food is carnivore because it came from an animal, like honey is carnivore. It's just like, who cares? Like whether it's carnivore or not, people will send me DMS being like, is beef protein carnivore is whey protein carnivore. It's like, why, why are you asking that? Like if it, or, or people ask my permission to eat something, can I have this? Can I have this? I thought I wasn't allowed to have this. I was like, I'm, I am not your parent. I am not God. I'm not whatever you believe in. Like I, I can't give you that ability. You can choose what you eat and what you put in your body. And you know, if, if it feels good, if it helps you, then do it. If you have a negative reaction to it, don't do it. It's that simple. Yeah. And like I said, it goes beyond just diet too, but I saw it so much in there. And I remember people telling me, Oh, you're going to lose all the progress you made because now you're eating vegetables and stuff with anti-nutrients or fruits it's like well you know when i was carnivore i was deadlifting 455 pounds i was able to run a like eight minute mile at about 195 pounds right six feet tall and able to do 20 pull-ups i reintroduced all these foods and all my numbers pretty much stayed the same or went up <laughs> it's like yeah. you, you know you don't go. be so tied in your dogmatism and it's not just carnivores to do it, but you know you see this with everybody and it, it, nobody wants to say hey you know what maybe that just works for them 
You know, if carnivore worked for me, it absolutely worked for me, but I used to think this was the only way to do it. But then I kind of had to back up and especially going off carnivore, I look around, I'm like, you know what, there are plenty of people who see benefits from this stuff. Um, but in my humble opinion, and, you know, I'm sure I could be wrong. I, I almost feel like carnivore is a little bit more feasible than veganism. And I'm sure there's yeah. some people that would freak out if you say that, but I just feel like you get more nutrients from animal foods. And not only that, the amount of food that you have to eat on a vegan diet to get the same amino acid profile that you would for meat, um, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. You had Gabrielle Lyon on your uh, podcast a few times, I believe, and um, she always brings up the three ounces of chicken breast for five cups of quinoa. Now picture five cups of quinoa and then picture one, you know, what is it, three or five ounce chicken breast. You know, that's like one's the size of the palm of your hand and the other is like this giant, oh, I'm sorry, my dog's barking. No problem. <laughs> but yeah, it's this is also the problem with veganism is that they demonize red meat and even beyond that, but like, you know, we're told that red meat's bad for you, but I, I feel like it's such a great food because it's it induces a lot of satiety and you get a lot of nutrients that you need from it. Um so it just surprised me that, you know, there's still people to this day that demonize it. Yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, there's so much um, stigma against red meat yeah. and cholesterol. And, you know, that's been ingrained in people's heads for years through medical community, through scientific community, um, through popular media, um, doctors. It's just so deeply entrenched in a lot of people's thought patterns. I think it will take, you know, another decade or two for that to like start, even start to change. And now there's, um, you know, on top of all the red meats bad for you of the past, now there's like veganism and you're killing animals. And a lot of that misinformation is just being pushed so heavily and endorsed by, you know, celebrities who have no idea what they're talking about, um, but, you know, want to virtue signal or what, for whatever reason, they're um, pushing vegan diets. So yeah, I think it's, it, it's unfortunately not going to change anytime soon. Right. Um, well, I think you're doing a lot of good work to kind of push the good word out there, as am I, obviously. And I've had a few um, other protein-centric people and carnivore people on this show as well. Um, do you feel like keto going mainstream is kind of a bad thing? Because when you look in Costco or places like that, you see everything has keto on it now, right? And you look at some of these labels and... I'm not dogmatic in the way that I care if it's keto or not, but I feel like it's bad if you do have people who are looking to be legitimately ketogenic or stay in ketosis when you have these foods that literally have more carbohydrates than fat in them, and they try to justify it by saying net carbs, but then it's usually some junk fiber. Um, so what are your thoughts kind of around keto becoming a little bit more mainstream? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think basing your diet on processed foods is ever good. Um, I don't have a problem with it going mainstream. I mean, people are always going to try to invent products and make money. And it's like, I guess I, my stance on this is like kind of libertarian, I guess you could say, in that like, you know, the economy is just going to work itself out and meet people's consumer demands. Um, I think anyone who tries to base their diet on, you know, Costco's keto processed foods is going to, you know, eventually have to work towards a, a 
unprocessed food diet. And, you know, whether it's keto or whole 30 or paleo, or, you know, more like what I'm eating now with more carbs, what all these diets have in common is you don't rely on processed foods. Um, and so like, and they're all high in protein, at least the ones that are healthy and work. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, eventually people need to learn to cook (laughs) and prepare their own food and take ownership of their health. And, um, you know, whether there's processed carby foods in the grocery store or processed keto foods in the grocery store, people are always going to buy them, but you know, it's not going to solve, solve the issues, I, I think. Right. So how was it for you when you started a carnivore diet? Cause I remember when I would come into the lunchroom, this was always so funny to me. I would have processed foods before I went carnivore, right? I'd come in with, you know, these protein chips or protein bars and these huge salads with, um, you know, all these ridiculous vegetable dressings and I would eat that. And then all of a sudden I would bring in just a, uh, you know, like a Tupperware container of ground beef and bacon. And now all of a sudden I was killing myself. I lost, you know, 40 pounds, but I was going to die because I'm eating meat. It's how was that kind of for you? Yeah. I mean, I got it all the time at work, <laughs> um, you know, left, right and center. I even had like vegan bosses who were like oh trying my. to change my mind at work. <laughs> and I would just be like, you know, I would just joke. I wouldn't try to like convince them or anything. I would just be like, yep, yep. I'm still kicking, still alive. Haven't died yet. Uh, still eating all my meat. Um, so I, I've always been, you know, pretty reserved about it and just tried to make jokes about it at work. But yeah, people would ask questions and judge me all the time, but yeah, I just, I just rolled with it. Um, that's kind of just my MO, um, is not to make, not to make a big deal out of it. And that's what I encourage other people to do who are, who are self-conscious about, um, being carnivores, just don't, don't make it a big deal and other people won't make it a big deal, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, definitely got some, some stares and some crazy questions. What's funny is when I was doing carnivore, I was even still like, just to like, I don't know, be, be friendly with people at work. I would still bring in like baked goods and processed foods to give to everyone else. And I'd be in the corner, like eating my carnivore meal. And they'd be like, Scott, are you just trying to fatten us all up? And I'd be like, (laughs) it's all good. Like enjoy the donuts or whatever. Yeah, hey guys, take that. Um, you know, I got yeah. all the meat over here. Let's let's bring these yeah. prices down so I can get a little bit more meat in yeah. the freezer. Yeah. So um now that you reintroduced carbs, um, that was um how long ago did you reintroduce carbohydrates? Um, like over two years ago. Okay. Um now have you noticed a difference in your training at all? Yeah. Um so What's interesting is my recovery on carnivore was really good from um, weightlifting. Like I didn't get sore as much. Um, I, I did feel like at the end of like a 60 minute weight training workout, I was starting to get kind of gassed, but I'd been carnivore for so long. I think I was just really well adapted to it. And my body was able to use gluconeogenesis to pull whatever carbs I needed. Um, but uh, and especially when you're using like salt and electrolytes in your workouts, that really helps make up for the lack of carbs. Yeah. Actually real quick on that part. Um, I remember when I was carnivore, um, I would do, um, kind of salt load pre-workout and even now with carbohydrates, 
it is amazing the difference that makes. People have no idea how much sodium will actually affect your performance. It sounds so like wooey wooey, and people think that, oh, I'll just drink a Gatorade or something like that. Like, no, you actually need legit electrolytes, LMNT, snake juice, uh, Redmond Real Salt, Relight, even Himalayan Pink Salt, any kind of good salt. If you preload your workout with that, you would be amazed at the uh, difference in performance. Yeah, completely agree, especially if you're working out like fasted or haven't had a meal in a while. Um, so yeah, I, I, I worked out pretty well and was able to like build muscle um, on carnivore. But yeah, now um, with a lot more carbs, um, my performance has definitely increased over time. Um, and I think I am able to put on muscle and put on weight a lot easier, particularly for me where I was having kind of that like digestive ceiling of, um, certain amount of calories. Now I don't really have that. Yeah. I kind of felt the same way. Um, now you also mentioned that you had trouble with sleep, but I see you got blue light blockers on right now. Um, you're, I actually picked it up from you to end my eating window a little bit earlier rather than later. Cause initially when I started carnivore, I would do like a 12, eight, right. So, you know, start eating at 12, finish eating by eight. And then after about a year, I noticed, okay, so I'm like starving in the morning. So what I start doing mm. is start eating first thing in the morning. So I would get up, normally up around like four to four thirty in the morning, get up around then maybe cook breakfast around five to five thirty, And then, um, once again, when I was carnivore, I would stop eating around like 11 to one. And then I was never hungry anymore. So um, now obviously I don't do as much fasting because my goal now is to put on as much lean mass as possible. Um, I stop eating at about six o'clock. Do you find that that actually helps with your sleep? Yeah, I think it does, especially if it's like a big meal. Um, I have now I have like a yogurt meal, like pretty close to bed. Like Are you serious? Before bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, I literally just had a, uh, that's pretty much what I do every single night too. I yeah. usually get some uh, yogurt with some kind of uh, keto granola or something like that, or maybe some protein powder, or coconut flakes. And that's usually yeah. like my last meal of the day. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, and so I think like a big fat heavy meal, especially, or a meal with a lot of carbs or fiber, something that digests slowly and takes a lot for your body to process does interfere with your sleep, but having like a pretty low calorie, mostly protein serving, like, you know, I'm talking like 300, 350 calories, isn't going to interfere with your sleep where I see a problem, at least for me personally. And a lot of the people I work with is when, um, you know, you're having that like feast at like 8 p.m. Yeah. and then trying to go to bed at 10, like you're still digesting that meal. You're not sleeping. All your blood is in your gut trying to get that food down. You know, your, your body wants to burn off that energy. It's bad for your digestion, actually, to go to sleep with a really full stomach, uh, but it also prevents you from getting into deep sleep. Um, and it keeps your body temperature warmer as well, which, which makes it harder to sleep. So yeah, I'm not a huge fan of, of big meals. I, I front load most of my calories in the day still. Um, but yeah, just because I do space up my meals so much, um, that I still do have one meal, like kind of pre-bed, not right pre-bed. Right. Yeah. Actually, it's a lot similar to, uh, like I was saying earlier, kind of what I do now. So I don't fast. I usually start eating around like five o'clock in the morning and then usually finish at about six o'clock at night. But I try to never go later than that because I'm usually in bed and sleeping by about eight to eight 30. So yeah. it's still a little bit late, 
but I've found that works personally for me the best and same deal. You know, if I eat a huge meal and then go right to bed, then I definitely don't sleep as well. And you, I can't remember what guest you had on, but when um, you and your guests had kind of mentioned that, um, that was a big game changer for me. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm glad it's helped. I've battled with bad sleep and waking insomnia my whole life. So um, yeah, I'm always looking for ways to try to try to improve it. Yeah, so did um, reintroducing carbohydrates help that as well? Or, um, you know, is it still kind of something you're working with? Not really. Um, it is way, way better now, but I wouldn't attribute it to carbs. Um, well, the carbs did help with like the not getting the terrible gas and belching in the middle of the night, um, just because I didn't have to eat as much fat and protein. Um, but um, there are a lot of things that have made a huge difference for me. One is like having a chili pad, having the AC on blast, having a pre-bed routine, going to bed at the same time every night. Um, I actually worked with a sleep expert to do sleep restriction therapy, which is where you take, you basically journal your sleep for like a week or two weeks. Um, and let's say you go to bed at 830 and you wake up at 430. So that's eight hours, right? Um, but let's say you log that you think you were awake for like an hour um, on average. So you're sleeping seven hours. So what you would do is you would say, okay, Kyle, um, for the next two weeks, you're only allowed to be in bed, to be in your bed physically um, from 1030 to 430. Um, so we're going to narrow your window to six hours until you don't wake up at all. And then in a week, we're going to add 30 minutes. So then you can go to bed at 10, but you still have to get up at 430. And basically you add back time as long as your sleep quality stays high. Um, so it's really miserable and tough, um, but it works very well at keeping you tired and keeping you asleep. Um, and so I did that and that helped. And now instead of going to bed for like 10 hours and being awake for two, um, I'm in bed for like eight and a half and I'm, I'm only awake for like one or less. Um, and I get a lot more deep sleep now as well. Um, I changed the magnesium I use that really helped. I switched to magnesium three and eight that seemed to really help. Um, and then I actually started using a sleep medication as prescribed, um, uh, by a, um, psychiatrist it's called trazodone. Um, everyone should work with their doctor to find something that works for them, but that has helped me immensely, um, in staying asleep. I, I never had trouble trouble falling asleep, but staying asleep is a big issue for me. I just starting at, you know, two or 3 p.m., 3 a.m., excuse me, I'm pretty restless until I get up at like six, but um, those things have really helped me. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm actually hearing you say all that. I may have to try some of that because um, I've noticed I use a, a Samsung watch to uh, track my sleep and usually I never get much more than maybe, I want to say it's like five to 10% of my night's sleep is deep sleep. And I, I still feel generally good, but I, I feel like I'm definitely not hitting the mark there. And I know when I would focus really, really hard on making sure that I get a good night's rest, I always feel much better, I recover a lot better. But then, you know, when you don't, you could definitely tell a difference. And I think people under, uh, you know, kind of underestimate just how important that actually is. Yeah, sleep is an absolute game changer. Um, so what does your training look like now? 
Yeah, for me, um, I'm usually in the gym five or six days a week um, for weights. And then the other days I usually go and do um, just like a very short, um, very short, not even what I would call high intensity, but like moderate intensity interval workout, like 16 minutes on the elliptical. <laughs> um, uh, and then I also walk about 14,000 steps a day with my dog. Um, but yeah, I, I lift weights progressively, high volume, high intensity, um, and trying to build muscle, trying to um, get bigger and stronger. And um, yeah, I still haven't actually, in like the f- seven years I've been weightlifting, I don't think I've ever been on a cut. I don't think I've ever cut calories. I've only <laughs> increased them. Um, and I just continue to get bigger and leaner. So um, yeah, just trying to, trying to break uh, 200 pounds now. Yeah, that's a... Uh... <laughs> Your uh, metabolism and your goals sound like uh, all good problems to have. I spent uh, most of my life as a heavier guy. So um, now I'm getting married in November. So my goal right now- Oh, congrats. Thank you. Um, Kind of building up the metabolism to the best of my ability. And um, I'll probably be cutting down again, probably start in March. I'm gonna try and take the cut as slow as possible. Um, So you've never done any kind of cut I have in the past, like long time ago, and most of them have failed. Um, but I haven't done one like since I got really serious about like weightlifting and bodybuilding. Um, and obviously, I have a lot of experience with it from like my rowing days, cutting weight. Um, did it really stupid ways then, but I knew how to restrict. I knew how to eat less food and how to be hungry. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I just like keep adding food, keep adding calories don't get fat. So it's, it's been good. Um, but yeah, my metabolism is just an absolute furnace. Oh man. I, I gotta say, I'm a little jealous. Like I said, I feel like it's my job to eat my God, 4,000 calories a day. Like I said, I don't think people understand that is a lot of freaking food. Well, we've been chit chatting for a, uh, quite a few minutes here, Scott, do you got anything coming up in the future that you're excited for? Um, no, just, just really excited to continue the podcast. Um, I made it one of my goals this year to get back to having more research, more experts, more um, technical episodes. I think I had had a very strong stint last year with a lot of N equals one type case studies and people. And I love highlighting those stories and meeting people and introducing to the podcasting world for the first time. Um, But I do want to get back to having um, some people who are, who are deep in the research and, and sharing some of their, those perspectives. So expect that from me in 2022. And yeah, if, if anyone listening is into the carnivore scene, carnivore cast is my podcast. You can find it anywhere, YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on Kyle. I, it's great chatting with you. I feel like we have so much in common, um, and really great to, to talk to you. For sure, man. You too. Um, we'll have to do it again sometime when uh, you're uh, over 200 pounds and uh, deadlift to 800, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see. Cool. All right. Well, everybody, this was In Liberty and Health episode number 42, if I got that right. Um, you know, pretty shaky on that stuff. But uh, until next time, everybody, take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.